0: A brand new sound for your Sunday morning
1: The only one who could ever teach me
0: Introducing the Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center Was
1: the son of a preacher man
0: And Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik of Religion on the Line The only one who could ever teach me Now on 77 WABC The Rev and the Rabbi Where faith matters
2: Good morning, I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend K.R. Bernard. Reverend, today, last day of Passover, Easter, this program has been pre recorded. I say that, you know, to assure everyone that we're keeping uh, our respective traditions intact. Uh, Reverend, I was thinking of you at my Passover Seder, and I was wondering if there's anything that's parallel in your tradition. We have the matzah, the bread of the, the poor, and we break it and we recite a blessing. And I looked at that experience and I said, doesn't that say to us that we have to bless even when we're broken? That you know you uh-huh. you, have, you have to find blessing amongst the brokenness of life because life is not perfect. Life is not whole. It's broken in many places. You still have to recite a blessing.
3: You know, the, you, you mentioned that, and I've experienced a seder uh, in in a Jewish home, and it was the most wonderful thing that I've ever experienced. Uh, and yeah, there's a parallel because. Uh, you know, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus is having what we call the Last Supper. And this is before his, his death and, and resurrection that we celebrate, celebrated uh, this weekend. Right. And he takes the matza that you're speaking about. He, he lifts it up. He blesses it. And he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, mm-hmm. which is broken for you. Eat. And then he says, he takes the, the, the glass of wine and he, he drinks from it, blessing it and sharing and says, this is this is the new covenant in my blood. And he was speaking about sacrificing his life. He says that, that he's laying down his life for his friends and no greater love mm-hmm. can be expressed than when an individual is willing to sacrifice their life. And that, that doesn't have to mean right. the death of... Of, of, of you physically but it means giving time and, and 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 energy and 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 finances whatever you have to share with others to help them and to lift them up
2: let me give you me some other manifestations of that blessing in the midst of brokenness in the Jewish world uh, you're at a wedding and you break the glass at the end of the ceremony and everybody yells Mazel Tov, congratulations. And mm-hmm. what does the glass represent? It represents the destruction of the temple. It represents once again that life is, you know, replete with many broken pieces, many crushing moments, but you got to find something to get you through. You need to be able to make a blessing of a brokenness. You're at a funeral. Uh, you've lost a loved one. There's a, a tear of the clothing. And while you're tearing the clothing, you're reciting a blessing. You know, it's a it's a blessing. You know, in the midst of brokenness, and I think all of us go through life, and we're broken at times. Uh, you know, as I said, we're not whole. You know, uh, all the time, we're broken some of the time, and we have to be able to say that, nevertheless, the the brokenness does not does not represent a broken spirit. You know, the body yeah. may feel broken. You know, we're hurting deeply, but the spirit is not going to be broken. I'm going to try now, to get I, I, through. Yeah.
3: And when you think, and when you think about unleavened bread, all right, and 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 how how easy it is to to break it, all right. I think it expresses the fragility of life. Mm-hmm. Life is so fragile; it can be broken, and yet God still blesses that fragile life. He understands the things that we face on a day to day basis and how fragile life is, and yet. He's willing to bless us in the midst of that and then use us and distribute that blessing through us to others,
2: and it's extended. Think of Easter, think of Passover of years ago. Think of the people who sat with us at the celebration, at the Seder, and now those seats are empty in many places. The people Mm. are not there, and yet we still have the Easter celebration. We still have the Passover Seder. So in our own way... We're able to recite the blessings of life even when we're hurting deeply. You know, I, I remember a sermon years ago, happy though hungry, you know, and it's it's very difficult sometimes to put on that smile, to have that positive outlook when you know inside uh, you're, you're suffering. Uh, but we all go through that, and we go through it when we look for, you know, what is the, what is the underlying message here? How am I going to get through this? What is God asking of me during this time? And... We got through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: love the passage in the uh, Genesis record, which says that God created man in his image and in his likeness. So we are in many ways imagers of God, Mm -hmm. images of his love, his life, and and his light. And we should be carrying that uh, to the world. The world is dark. We know that the world is dark,
2: and we we need light. And we do that even when we're imperfect, because none of us is perfect. All right, we have someone today who, to me, is an exemplar uh, of the best of religious life. uh, He's not a member of the Jewish world, but he happens to be Catholic. And uh, he's Reverend Monsignor Robert Ritchie, the rector of St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I'm sure he's going to have much to say to us and teach us uh, about his faith and what it means for other traditions. Stay tuned. Yeah, so stay tuned. Right
3: here on 77 WABC, The Rev and, the, and Rabbi. the Rabbi.
0: Where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC.
2: Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Bajaster. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Right. Reverend Bernard, one of my favorite people in the city of New York, is our guest today. Reverend Monsignor, Robert Richard, the director of St. Patrick's Cathedral, he wasn't always the representative. Uh, this is someone who has really demonstrated a tremendous outreach to the floor. because if you look at his biography, he speaks of serving many core areas, uh, and as I mentioned to you before when on the air, he is a genuine representative uh, of the faith community. He's someone who uh, is truly religious in the best sense of the word. So it's
1: a great honor, Monsignor, to have you with us today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your nice words. I'm very honored to hear them. I so, hope I live up to them. Uh, you already have. So
2: what what does a rector do? What's the responsibility of a rector?
1: In the Catholic Church, uh, the uh, parish is usually uh, run by a pastor uh, who is in charge of the religious and uh, physical uh, life of the parish. Um, and so the parish of St. Patrick's Cathedral, the, the pastor would be uh, his, the Archbishop of New York in current situation, Cardinal Dolan. But obviously because of his other responsibilities, he needs someone to act the part of the rector, of the pastor, so that person is called the rector. So, in in uh, in fact, I am the pastor of the parish here, but uh, I I have the title not pastor but rector. So, if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. Exactly. <laughs> I, I understand.
2: I understand. Uh, you know, Reverend Bernard, I believe the cardinal sent you his book of sermons, uh, and in it one of the sermons is entitled the church is never closed and Mm. here we've gone through a year uh where we had to make some drastic changes talk about that how you know what it meant to cope with covid uh
1: when you're having a church like saint patrick's that has this great outreach One of the things in the very beginning of of COVID, uh, when we were not forced to close, uh, one of my points that I raised uh, with everybody that would listen to me was that St. Patrick's has never been closed except for for one day in its its whole history. And uh, I was planning not to close St. Patrick's until things got so bad and we did have to close. So uh, we... Kept the church closed for a while, but we provided services live stream every day. And then when we were able to open up uh, under limited capacity, we did, and uh, we're we're doing all right now. Except the capacity is very much limited. Who makes up who makes up the audience? Who come? I mean, is it heavily tourist? Is it people who live
2: in the you know immediate sure. area or the you know the the boroughs?
1: Who's there? pre-COVID, we would have about five, five and a half million people coming through the doors during a year. And the huge majority of them would be visitors to New York from uh, either from our country or from other countries. Uh, There were very few people who live in the area who would be considered uh, parishioners who who live here. Um, Since COVID has happened, um, all of the visitors have dried up because of uh, nobody's coming mm-hmm. as tourists in New York. But what we've discovered is that uh, by live streaming our services, uh, we end up having thousands and thousands of people uh, be, considering themselves to be part of the of the parish and joining us uh, either every day or every Sunday so instead of the uh, 12,000 people that might be here on a weekend we on a Sunday will have 30 forty thousand people uh, virtually uh, mm. uh, praying with us
3: that is fabulous I, I I'm curious to know uh, Monsignor uh Is there an official membership of that parish, or do you even keep track of those things uh, in terms of your relationship with the people that come?
1: We have, again, pre-COVID, we do have a parish list, and there would be about 500 people on it. Uh, Since we're doing the live streaming, everyone that tunes into us, I designate them as our parishioners but we don't have any list but we do have numbers that we uh, that are generated for us every week so we do know how many people are, are part of the virtual parish
3: so really the services are made available not just the mass but whatever services you provide for uh, the community yes. and and the membership and they avail themselves of it right,
1: right. at different times in the day uh, uh, Monday, yeah, every day, Monday to uh, Sunday, we have different, either uh, pretty much all religious services that are available to people, and, uh, and they, people know when they're uh, taking place, or if they're not able to tune in when we're actually doing the service, um, every service is archived, so people can come back and, and listen to my sermon again, or listen to the Cardinal Sermon if they want.
3: So, so here we. You are. know, Lent, and I'm sorry for being a little hoggish here, Rabbi, but I have the opportunity uh, because <laughs> you know there's so many parallels between yeah. the Catholic Church and, and our uh, religious practices uh, as course. well. Mm-hmm. So we're in. We're finishing up Lent this week. In fact, uh, to, today is uh, Holy Thursday, and uh, the Catholics also uh, are finishing up Lent, right? Uh, and part of that is 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 prayer. Uh, fasting and almsgiving. And in the almsgiving, do you have a way that uh, those who are or consider themselves part of the parish can volunteer in some way to, to engage in some type of uh, missions work?
1: Sure, we do. We um, cooperate with uh, Fifth Avenue Baptist Church, uh, sorry, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, and St. Thomas uh, Episcopal Church, and ourselves. We have an outreach to the poor in the area, and we have a social worker who works with us, and uh, that is ongoing even during COVID time. Um, So that's some of the things that we do. You know, obviously,
2: you're approaching uh, today, is Easter. And here we are, we're concluding Passover uh, today. You have Hindus are celebrating holy. holy. Muslims will be uh, celebrating Ramadan. I mean, God is going to be exhausted by the time we get to May. <laughs> but, but there is something to be said about this confluence. The fact that here we are living in a country where we can represent our respective faith traditions without any kind of fear. Uh, wasn't always the case, obviously. Right. But I, I think it says much that I can talk to you as a Jew about Passover, you can talk to me about Easter. We can talk to other uh, faith leaders with full respect for one another. I don't think we should ever take that for granted. And maybe, maybe that's the way that God's saying to all of us, you all have to learn how to get along. You're, you're
1: separate and together simultaneously. What's your reaction during this time of year? For me, I'm so happy that uh, Passover and Easter have come together so closely this year. It doesn't always happen that way. But our um, celebration of uh, Holy Thursday, which we did the other day, is our connection in a very real and and positive way to the Passover of our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. And when we continue uh, the history of of the Catholic Church and the the liturgy that we uh, pray together every single, every day for us, but uh, also on Sunday, it's in many ways a continuation of the Last Supper of Jesus, which was, in many scholars' opinion, connected to a Passover meal. So uh, it's wonderful when the the Christian and the uh, Jewish celebration of the Pascha, which is Passover, and also is is Easter, come at the same uh, very similar time, a very close time.
3: This week, uh, Monsignor, you would ordinarily have the Stations of the Cross, and there would be a movement, uh, uh, a a gathering of people. Did you have to suspend that? Do it differently
1: uh, because of COVID? Good. We we do it differently now. Before I came to Saint. Patricks I spent tw- I was 28 years in West Harlem and then I was 7 years in the Bronx and in both places we had the stations of the cross out in the streets and it was a tremendous uh witness to the people of the neighborhoods of, of what uh, good friday is all about and it was really very powerful to anybody who watched it or participated in coming here to saint patrick's we don't have that uh, freedom to go out on the streets and we would have the stations of the cross inside the church uh, and the church on good friday would have been completely filled uh, but again, because of COVID, we can't allow uh, the crowds that we would normally expect. But we still we still had about a, a couple of hundred people doing the Stations of the Cross together on the other day on Good Friday.
3: Can, can you just explain what the Stations of the Cross is? We have Jewish audience, we have evangelical,
1: we have <laughs> okay, Catholics sure. listening, and some Catholics don't know. But uh, can you just explain what that is? Sure. The Stations of the Cross. Uh, are a meditation on the journey that Jesus took from being condemned by Pilate, uh, walking through the city of Jerusalem, walking up the mountain, uh, the, the hill of Calvary, uh, being crucified on the top of the hill and being taken down and put in the, into the tomb. So there are 14 different short meditations on the, the parts of that journey that t- took part on the original Good, Good Friday.
2: So, Monsignor... Uh, you know, the Good Friday, historically, I was telling Reverend Bernard, was a very, it was a dangerous time uh, yes, for, I know. F- for I... Jews. And sure. the liturgy reinforced, you know, some of the danger speaking of perfidious Jews. And one of the things sure. I think that we've learned is that tradition need not be static. The tradition can evolve. You can retain right. the beauty of a tradition, at the same time recognize some of the challenges that
1: need to be addressed and i think that's what happened over the years can you talk about that sure uh, when the liturgy after the second vatican council when the liturgy was reformed and uh, the mass was uh, mainly in the vernacular and the mass prayers w- were changed one of the very important things that happened was a uh, changing of, or evolving, that's, that's a good word, evolving of the liturgy of, of Good Friday. And certainly the a- anti Jewish statements or prayers were eliminated uh, very strongly and, and much. Uh, kinder uh, remembrances of the Jewish roots of the, of the Christian faith were in, in incorporated into the Good Friday liturgy. So yeah. uh, You're right, that it was an evolution, and it was a, an evolution that took a lot of time. You know, and that, that says here. something. I mean, there, there's a statement there that we have to
2: look carefully at what we're saying, what we're mm-hmm. saying about others, and if we preach love, and this is true for all faith traditions, if we preach love, then we have to speak in a loving fashion. We have to treat each other with that kind of loving respect. So this was a major step forward, and I think I was talking with uh, uh, the, the Tannenbaum family. I remember Rabbi Mark Tannenbaum, uh-huh. who was very involved in you know, Vatican II and, and so many others who, who would meet uh, you know, at the Vatican with church leaders and say, look, uh, we need to address this. And it was addressed. So I, I hope people appreciate that, you know, we don't just live in the past. We live in the present. Uh, and that's a, that. That's something that needs to be emphasized again and again. Because some people look at religious people and say, oh, you know, you're antiquated. You're arcane. Uh, but I think this was a demonstration that, no, no, we're very much, you know, aware uh, of, of the problems of the present. And we will do what we can to correct them. Exactly. Well, I think what you what said happened.
3: is so important. Yeah, because that evolution is so important. My frame of reference, although, you know, I'm a Protestant, my frame of reference for my Christian faith it spans 2,000 years, not, not the last 500 years. Mm-hmm. Right. And contrary to, you know, the doctrines of Sola Scriptura, uh, which you're very familiar with, uh, Monseigneur. You know i believe that it's it, it's scripture and tradition that we have to look at as foundational to the the church and its continued growth and evolution uh, over time people don't realize that we did not have the scripture in the form that we have it as canonized uh until several centuries after uh the the life and death of jesus christ
1: all right Exactly. Right. Yeah.
2: Look, I I, I look at this year of Zoom and, you know, traditionalists uh, who will not put uh, on anything electrical uh, on the Sabbath. You know, how do we how do we have services? How do we do this? I mean, we're 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 a religion that has a great past, but we're also a religion that recognizes that in today's world, you can't just stop, you know, and say nothing changes. We do make changes, but we try to make them, you know, in, uh, in keeping with, the, you know, our doctrine so we don't violate the traditions. But, you know, it's, it's something, it speaks highly, uh, I think, when you can have a tradition that over the years uh, has, has, as we say, has evolved. That's what tradition needs to be. That's the message for, for those who are seeking uh, to find hope in their future,
1: that there is meaning in the present. And tradition tells you uh, so much more about who you are, where you came from, and where you're going. Uh, instead of just looking at the, the papers and uh, turn on the TV, uh, look to the traditions of your faith and, and see where the roots are and where those roots have uh, e- taken you through the centuries. And so we're we're in a great... But nowadays, when we look back at our tradition and say it's very, very important, and we use our tradition to to, uh, give us our identity, but not hold us back from looking to the future.
4: Sinai Chapels provides compassionate care to New York's Jewish community. Conveniently located in Fresh Meadows, Queens, every funeral detail is handled by an attentive professional staff according to each family's personal and religious preferences. Sinai staff is at the chapel for you 24 hours, seven days a week. Sinai Chapels is committed to your health and safety and offers carefully planned and socially distanced services at their modern chapel or area cemeteries. Sinai has developed Zoom programs for live stream services, shiva, and consultation. Sinai Chapels offers pre-need plans to relieve families of making arrangements at a difficult time. Sinai's pre-need plans offer savings and are 100% government-backed. For more information, please call Sinai Chapels or visit jewishfunerals.com. That's jewishfunerals.com. Sinai Chapels in Fresh Meadows, Queens. Providing compassionate care for four generations.
0: Reverend A.R. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, the Rev and the Rabbi. Faith Matters, 77 WABC and WABC Radio.com.
3: What, what's the message of, of Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday? what's what's the idea? I mean, we move from uh, what we call Good Friday, but essentially we're 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 looking back at the death of, of, of Christ. But uh, we focus more so on Easter Sunday, the resurrection. what's right. What's the message?
1: Sure, the message is we we celebrate the fact that uh, God has uh, overcome the darkness of death, Good Friday. And brought the light of the resurrection to us, so that we can take that light and go forward with it, and live our lives in freedom and in understanding that uh, God's power is more, uh, is stronger than any of the power of uh, the world or of the underworld.
2: You know, it looks. You look at Passover, and there are similarities because Passover looks at you know the darkness uh, that we endured in Egypt, and yet darkness, right? And then yep. darkness gave way to the dawn of a new day. And because we experience darkness, we have our responsibilities to others who are facing difficult times. I mean, we're reminded some 36 times in, in the biblical tradition of our responsibility to the, the other, the outsider, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, that, you know, you, you can't tolerate people being viewed as outsiders. And when we see what's going on today, for example, the anti-Asian prejudice, prejudice against any group, uh, right. we have people of faith. Can't turn our backs. Uh, we have to open our mouths uh, and speak out loudly. And I think that's what—that's what our you know religious traditions mandate: uh, not right. to be silent in the face of suffering.
1: And, and our uh, Christian modeling of ourselves on the life and the words and the actions of Jesus. Uh, speak the same thing, saying that we could never reject those who were considered rejectable by the society, like the lepers or, mm-hmm. uh, or any of the people that had uh, defects that were um, not allowed to be part of the, the community. Jesus never did that. And so our modeling of our lives on him tells us that we have to imitate that part of who he was, and that makes us who we are.
3: And, and when we think of death, it's not just physical death that we think of. Death uh, is, is a loss of life. It could be a loss of, of, of identity, integrity, uh, separation, autonomy. I mean, death manifests. A divorce is the death of a marriage. So death
1: manifests itself
3: in many ways, not just physical death, correct?
1: Absolutely, and that's why our uh, Easter... Uh, uh, prayer is that we're here to give life in every form that we can. Hmm. It's interesting. I I was talking with our mutual friend, McGee
2: Hickey, and uh-huh. we talking about her father, who would look forward so much to coming to St. Patrick's. Right. Uh, I think he was one of the ushers for a number of years. Yes. I remember seeing him many times. And he would get dressed up and, you know, yeah. he, he felt regal. Walking in and being part of the church experience, and I walk by St. Pat's a number of times, and I see people who may not be religious, uh, you know, who who wouldn't be classified, so to speak, in the traditional or conventional religious fashion, but yet they want to walk in, they want to sit down, they want to try to connect uh, with their God, uh, with with them, you know, a meaning in life, because so many people have a void. Uh, you know, they, they, yeah. look at, they look at their success, for example, in the secular world, and they say, is this it? Is, isn't there something more? You know, I feel a certain emptiness. And I, and I talk to people about that, and they say, you know, I walk into the church, and I feel connected to community. I feel connected to God, right. even though I don't consider myself, you know, a practicing,
1: uh, you know, member of, of that tradition. We always want people to understand that at St. Patrick's, no matter where they're coming from uh, spiritually, they're always, always welcome there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we have to open the doors as widely as possible. Uh, And we try not to judge people. Everybody's on a, you know, on a journey. Reverend Bernard, you've spoken about your journey to Christianity. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I think sometimes people, they look to measure someone else's religiosity. You know, they look to classify another individual rather than looking at their own behavior. If they would spend more time, you know, examining their souls instead of trying to uh, examine someone else's, uh, I, I think we'd be in a better place i
3: think you know in christianity uh you know there's a wonderful passage that's in to Paul to the romans and it says if you can if you believe in your heart you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart uh, this, this Lordship relationship of Christ. So our faith is both public and private. Publicly how we live it out in relationship to our neighbor and to the society and the common good. And privately by the journey that, that we, we go through in growth and development and spiritual uh, formation. And there is no one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a framework you know, that, that we have But each individual journey is is an amazing experience and story that we need to sit down and share with each other and understand uh, where each other's coming from. I think that's the beauty of of, of faith.
1: And the whole concept that we believe in, that uh, every child of God, every person is a child of God, is something that sometimes we forget, but we always have to remember that. And I think the concept that Rabbi, you were just talking about, is a concept that can be identified as holier than thou, mm-hmm. and that's what we constantly have to be careful of, uh, of, and fight against. I remember years ago, uh, I would call my mother and say, "I
2: want to bring home somebody from college who lives far away from his home. Can I bring him home for the Seder, for the Passover, uh, you know, meal and ritual?" And she said, Joe, you have to remember, there's always room for one more at the table. Oh. And, and I think all of us, you know, we, we have to live that lesson. Um, I, I always envision, can you imagine if we had a big Seder in New York City? Jews at night, we put everybody at the Seder. There's always room for, for different people to come together and, and share our stories and uh, talk about our similarities and our differences would we not be enriched as a society? Because we're at this divisive time. Everybody argues, you know, but people don't look to be conciliatory. And what an opportunity this is looking at Passover and Easter, a time to come together. Absolutely. And thank
3: you, uh, Monsignor, for being with us today. And I was really uh, happy to be here. Sharing from your faith tradition. Uh, it's just, I, I think religion plays such an important role in society I, I am personally suspicious of the idea That people can understand and shape the world Without divine guidance uh, I just don't buy into that There has to be something and someone yeah. greater than ourselves yeah. That
2: gives us uh, a moral standard Right? Yeah. Rev- okay. Reverend Monsignor, before I let you go First of all, I, I always look forward to seeing you I, I, I've been a frequent attendee uh, At St. Pat's have, over huh? the years and I And I also contribute I get credit for that too um, I, <laughs> I, didn't I get credit to, for that I, in your congregation. I don't get credit for that in my <laughs> congregation. But I, 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 just want to ask you this question: We have young people who are looking at, you know, vocations and looking at careers. You've been, you've had a, an extraordinary career, and you're still continuing it. What do you say to young people who are considering the priesthood or considering going, you know, into into religion? Because it, okay. for many, it's very, you know, it's it's frightening. How can I make that sacrifice? What do you say? What inspired you, and how how can you inspire others?
1: Well, when I was uh, just a a child, I I had the concept that I wanted to become a priest, and it was something that stayed with me as I went through school and through high school. And then at the end of uh, high school, I made the decision that I would enter the seminary. And uh, I've been a priest. Uh, in in may it 'll be fifty years mm. and I can tell you that there was never any time that I ever thought it was a mistake. There was never any time that I thought it wasn 't fulfilling and meaningful and life giving to so many people and so for fifty years i've 've been a very happy priest and Uh, Any young person who is considering a vocation this way, I would say it is a magnificent way of uh, taking care of your own soul and the souls of many, many, many others. Well said.
3: All right. Yeah, that's beautifully put. And I think that with the young people, our millennial generation, searching for purpose and meaning, how important that is to them, I think uh, ministry uh, could make that difference for them.
2: Well and that's true by the way, of of all faiths. you know we look yep. back, we look back at choices, you know, we had place before us, and I think to myself, I'm glad I selected the rabbinate. You know, there were opportunities in different fields, but there is a what we call that psychic income that you feel, <laughs> that self-validation. I did something that made a difference. Uh, yeah. and and you can do that in our world. Yes. Reverend absolutely. Monsignor, Robert Ritchie, thank you so much
1: thank you happy passover happy easter to you both and and to all of the listeners thank you thank you so much god bless bye-bye and we'll be back right here
3: on 77 wabc the rev and the rabbi Rabbi.
0: reverend a.r bernard rabbi joseph potasnik where faith matters the rev and the rabbi 77 wabc welcome
3: back
2: i'm rabbi joseph potasnik and I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Well, that was a, you know, as a, as a Jew, as a non-Christian, uh, I, I learned uh, by listening to, you know, someone else's perspective on faith. And one of the things I think is important, Rev, is that we don't have this triumphalism, uh, you know, this what they call supersessionism, where I say my tradition is better than yours. My religion is superior than yours. What I do say is my tradition is better for me. My religion is better for me. Uh, but that in no way is a judgment about your faith.
3: Well, I, you see, that's important. And unfortunately, we, we have seen much in my faith, in Christianity, in Judaism, in, in Islam. You know, I'm looking at the three Abrahamic faiths. But we, we presented it as, a, as, as an ultimatum. Either you choose our way because our way is right, uh, or you suffer the consequences. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, And I think that it's important that we could sit down and have, uh, you know, discussions about how we practice our faith in the context of our belief systems, our doctrines, etc. and appreciate and respect one another's position. I think that's so important.
2: You know, don't we say when there's peace amongst the religions, there'll be peace, you know, amongst the nations of, of the world? Uh, yeah, it, and what what bothers me so is we look back at history and it wasn't the case. Uh, you know, it, it's almost like the book and the movie are apart from one another, so different from one another. I don't believe, you know, that uh, God, uh, who presented himself to the different faiths and has covenants with different faiths, I don't think he intended to have people uh you know, battling each other, attacking each other because they had different approaches to their faith. So this is a good time. Passover and Easter coming together uh, is a good time to say there's room. There's room for, for different traditions. It's not a one size fits all, as Monsignor Ritchie said right right so let me ask you something yeah. because for
3: us both catholic and protestant you know we celebrate uh, the 40 days of lent mm-hmm. for us it's celebrating the 40 days uh, that christ was in the wilderness experiencing the temptations and of course that refers back to uh, the 40 years that uh, you know the jews mm-hmm. according to the scripture wandered in the desert mm-hmm. and for us uh, it, it, it it involves three practices prayer fasting, and acts of charity. Uh,
2: So how do you guys look at prayer in your tradition? You know, that is fascinating when you just said prayer, fasting, and acts of charity, because if I look at the liturgy for Yom Kippur, uh, the Day of Atonement, those words are found in the prayer book, prayer, fasting, uh, and acts of charity. It's really? it, it, the exact same words. So I'm listening to you. I did not you. know said, that. I'm, I'm listening to you. You might have taken that from us, but I'm listening well, to yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm listening to you. I'm saying, wow, look at that. We, we believe in prayer. But prayer. Prayer is our way of striving to, to be better, to look within and say, I'm connecting to God. I'm praying to God. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for strength. I'm asking for the ability to, you know, reach a higher level. Of performance, a higher level mm. of holiness. Uh, you know that's what holiness is. It's, it's standing a little bit higher. So prayer again, it's within and without. It's it's you know looking beyond the surface, looking at the inner self, the soul, and saying, how do I connect more with God? What does God expect of me? And I think that's a you know that's what what prayer is. And uh, over look. You know, somebody once said, as long as they have examinations in school, they'll always have prayers in school. Uh, But, um, you know, but, but it's interesting. Because
3: you, you speak about standing higher, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for us, prayer is elevating the mind mm-hmm. and heart towards God. You know, the mind, when we think of that, we're thinking about our consciousness, our thoughts, our perceptions, our, our perspectives, our intellectual abilities, and, and we raise them up uh, to God. We, we elevate them. It brings us uh, to a consciousness of, of you know, uh, the divine realm of existence that influences and shapes who we are. In, in the in the realm of, of humanity. Uh, and the heart, you know, our passions, our, our feelings, our emotions, our desires, our longings. You know, we elevate those things uh, before God and allow the light of his holiness to shine in, in our hearts and in our minds to to bring us to a place of repentance and forgiveness. But let me ask you another question, because, you know, in many traditions, especially in some Protestant traditions, prayer is getting God to do what you want. Do you have that in your tradition?
2: Well, we we try to do what God wants. I mean, what does God God expect of us? And obviously, we ask God to be with us during this difficult time. And we look for a positive conclusion, especially during a difficult time. Uh, You know, I I, I think of people who are suffering with all kinds of serious issues, uh, you know, physical, mental, whatever, and say, God, don't leave me. Stay with me. Help me mm-hmm. get through this. Um, so in that sense, it's God, you know, on our side of doing what we would like. But also it's asking ourselves uh, when we pray, can we be better? What can we be doing that will bring us, you know, to that higher plateau? Uh, that to me is what prayer. So it's it's introspection with a purpose. It's looking within right. because we want to get to a better place. And uh, we pray, you know, three times a day. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I have a strong belief. So is it that.
3: solely that, though? But, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, that elevation of the mind of which I speak and we share. But on a practical level, people want to know if they pray to God about a situation You know, uh, will, will he answer is, is, is that the way the relationship works? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in with, with financial issues and I need relief. I need guidance. I need wisdom. I need favor. You know, are these the kind
2: of things that, that you and your tradition pray for? Well, you and I know that if you listen to certain preachers, if you simply believe strongly, then everything will work out in your favor, uh, all the bills will be paid, and you know you'll win the lotto. I mean, there is that kind. Of, there, there is that kind of theology. Well, let me know. I, I want some of that, really. Yeah. You know, help help me win this. You know, the, help, may these numbers be winning numbers. But that's not. Yeah, but but yeah. that's you know, prayer doesn't guarantee an outcome. What it what it does guarantee is that we'll we'll tap into that. Reservoir of inner strength and deal with the challenge. Get me through this, um, ah. right? You know, look. See, that's important. What you're saying
3: there, you know, you're, you're putting a different lens on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not God being the genie in the box. You know, we rub it and 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 <laughs> we rub our Bibles three times, and he pops right. out and says, "Your wish is my command." It really has to do with 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 something inside of us and bringing us to a place uh, where we can from that well of wisdom and and, and knowledge and understanding so
2: that, you know,
3: it levels the playing field, essentially, right?
2: Yeah, look, when you look at the luminaries of the Bible, think back to all the great figures, the patriarchs, the matriarchs, they all suffered with problems. You know, no, you know. What did somebody once say that life is so difficult that nobody gets out of it alive? Uh, you know, it's a, you know, it it it, it is. We we all we don't lack for. My father would say we don't lack for sorrows. We don't lack for trouble. We all have trouble. And you know very well, looking back at our lives, there were times we said, "How are we going to get through this? This is really a critical moment." Uh, you know, uh, you you and I have have we we've suffered loss of loved ones, and mm-hmm. and yet. Somehow, because we, we believe that there is a divine design, we believe it because there is a, a higher plan, that somehow we're going to get through this. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't mm-hmm. understand the pain that we're feeling or we don't agree with the outcome, we still say, I still believe in God.
3: That's yeah. interesting. You say we don't believe in the outcome, with too often people think that prayer is actually manipulating the outcome in our favor. And that's not how it works.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Golda Meir, who was a prime minister, of Israel, said years ago, "I believe in God, but he shouldn't expect any medals for me." In other words, she, had, you know, <laughs> she had seen she had seen so many so many difficult situations and settings that she just look, I don't understand. You know, we often say we don't understand God, but the heaven is higher than the earth. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, we we believe in God in spite of the fact that you know we we don't see you know things falling in perfect formation. But the other so two, so we things, allow. Go ahead, go ahead. I would say we allow for uncertainty. We allow for mystery.
3: We have to make space for those things. Uh, uh, You know, some
2: prayers may not be answered, at least the way we thought it should be answered, right? Yeah, look, uh, we say, you know, I believe in the Messiah, and even though he's delaying, you know, his arrival, Mm -hmm. I still still believe. So even though we're not seeing, you know, what we want and what we feel we need— we still maintain that faith. And I have to say that faith has been able to insulate us uh, against some of the greatest challenges of life. And you mentioned fasting and acts of charity. Fasting, yeah, yeah, we have a number of fast days, but why do we fast? Because it's important to to go without. It's important to feel that, that sense of deprivation that I don't have what I want right now. I want food, I want to eat, I'm hungry. I want to satisfy that need. Well, you have to learn to make sacrifices in life. And fasting, to me, is a way of of feeling the pain of the other so that you know what it is to hurt so you can help. Hurting and helping go together. Absolutely, and for our 40 days of Lent, we actually, you know, decide
3: that we're going to fast from something, to abstain from something. It could be food, it could be some favorite uh, hobby thing that we do. You know, you make that decision and then you commit to it and uh, for that period of 40 days. But for us, you know, it, it, fasting is breaking our attachment to physical and material things Mm -hmm. because the soul can be so caught up in secondary things that it loses sight of what's really important and it becomes confused about what it really wants and if you don't know what you want you know you don't know what to choose so this is an opportunity to Experience that detachment from these physical and material things that tend to confuse us as to what's really important in
2: life, and that's 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 why we do it. Yeah. When know? I'm hungry, I under, I I can try to understand those who uh, are hungry uh, daily. You know, those wow. who those yeah. who hurt daily. This is a, I'm hungry for 24 hours, but after that, I can I can you know feel satiated. Well, that's not the experience that other people have, and. Uh, that's what you need to learn in life and the last thing is and that's powerful you
3: because it, it, you, you can be hungry because you haven't had a chance to eat
2: right right And that's different from being hungry because you have nothing to eat yeah and then you have acts of charity look i when i first became a rabbi i visited a uh, congregant in her home and she had all these charity boxes all on the counter in the kitchen and she looked at me and she said you see those charity boxes that's the interior design of my house. That's, that's what defines who I am. And, hmm. you know, religion says, you know, it's nice to say it. It's nice to think it. But you got to do it like Nike commercial. Just do it. Uh, and I think that uh, that's why acts of charity really, it's a barometer you know, the act of charity is a barometer of how sincere you are in your belief. Because you say you've got to help the hungry. You say you've got to help the poor. You say you've got to, you know, do more to support others. Well, show me. Show me that you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, do it. For us, acts of charity, like, you know, at fasting, acts of charity detaches us from self-centeredness and brings us to a to a place of unselfish love. And love is what it's all boiled down to loving god with all your heart soul mind and strength and loving your neighbor's self but i think acts of
2: charity puts action to the love it's not just in word right but indeed but that's why it doesn't just doesn't stop after the word heart because you know there are people who say gee it hurts me in my heart when i see the pain of others it hurts me in the heart when i see people sleeping on the street it hurts me in the heart uh when i i know that people uh need charity well you can't be what we call a cardiac religious people. It's got to go beyond the heart. It's got to go from the heart to the hands, uh, and and help others. And that's, you know, those three components belong to our respective faith traditions, and I think they help us, divide, you know, define religious character. This has been a great I, I will respect. tell you.
3: Yeah. Well, let me, let me just say this. We have a few minutes left. You know, I I, I, I love the fact that. This is how religion has shaped the United States. Uh, I was looking at some statistics. Giving USA's annual report said that American individuals' uh, bequest foundations and corporations gave an estimated 449 billion dollars to U.S. charities in twenty nineteen. Mm. That's half a trillion dollars yeah. that were given to these organizations. So there's something about us and the spirit that we, you know, have taken in here in America that says, no, we have a responsibility to reach out to those who are less fortunate.
2: And you know what I find, and I, we've seen this in our respective congregations, it's not just the affluent who give. There are people mm. who are poor who need the funds, but they say, I still have to give a certain amount for others who may be hurting more than I am. And I've I've always been, you know, very much taken by that, that that giving spirit doesn't stop at a certain income level. Absolutely.
3: And Houses of Worship, you know, we're the main agency of organized benevolence in the whole world Mm -hmm. today. We are the main ones, you know. All and, right. Uh, that, that speaks a lot. Thank you. So, Rabbi, we don't get to talk about religion like this too often. <laughs> no, this I, is and, wonderful. And
2: you know what? Again, and I always find when, as soon as I hear about someone else's tradition who's proud of that faith, I also am proud of my own faith. We walk away enriched by one another and understanding that our tradition nourishes us. And together we can make this a better world. So thank you so much, and a blessed Easter to you, and uh, a wonderful yes, Passover. A
3: wonderful Passover yeah. to, uh, to you and all of those
2: that uh, practice that faith and engage in it. I, I think it's wonderful. And just to protect, protect my status, this has been a pre recorded program. It is the last <laughs> day of Passover. I have to make sure I convey that message both at the beginning of the program and the end of the program. Thank you so much. Covering yourself. Well, till next time, you're listening
3: to the Rev and the Rabbi right here on 77 WABC. God bless. You too.